point in life when our children and our youth begin making their own professions of faith out of the normal time and cycle that we take them through in terms of discipleship and confirmation. It's always a special time for the church. What it means is that something's going on in those young men's minds and hearts, something that they feel the need to respond to. And that can't always be programmed into them merely by the cycle in which the church operates. It comes when it comes, even as the Spirit moves in and with them, and they respond to that call of the Spirit in their lives. It is indeed a very, very special moment when a person begins to identify as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as the full and best representation of the Creator God here on earth, and as the one who continues from the place beyond all places we fully understand, sitting upon his throne next to the Father, ever mindful of the working spirit who moves among the peoples of the earth as groups and as individuals. And so today we just stand a little bit in awe of how for almost 2,000 years now God has continued to move through the work of Jesus on this earth. Sometimes we talk a lot about what's going wrong in the world and we sometimes feel overwhelmed by the many people who are not participating in the corporate body of Christ. And yet, if we attach our fixation, if you will, upon the good that's going on in the world and upon those who are doing good in the world, wouldn't the world be a lot more positive, contagious kind of experience? Especially if those who bear the name of Christian are exercising intentionally in every way possible their love for God in Christ and their actions that bespeak loudly of what they believe in their heart. Today we want to talk about a mark of identity, who we are really in the sense of being loving and forgiving people, accenting the loving this morning. It's not a huge revelation to anyone that Christian people are people of love who are called to be loving. I think it is a little bit unique in the world in which we live, however, for people to engage in acts of love that are truly representative of the body of Christ as explained by the terms love in the scriptures. For we tend in our Western culture to individualize so many things that sometimes we get a real strong belief that the emotions of the Christian faith and even the actions of the Christian faith are often practiced mostly within. I want to challenge that notion a little bit today by saying that what we feel inside, as important as it is and as integral as it is to the part of the Christian life, is not one bit, and I'm dare I even say maybe even a less little bit important than what we do with our hands. The love of Jesus Christ is meant to be expressed and felt and experienced both internally in our hearts and externally through the work that we do in the world of Christ. So that the matter of heart and hands, it's a matter of the two going together. And I think that oftentimes the church and we even as Christians get so tied up with the many things that we're doing with our hands that it's very hard for us to keep a firm grip on what to do with this newfound faith that we have. Sometimes we make it more difficult, I believe, than it needs to be. I think I want to start. I had this 
illustration at the end, but I'm going to start it with it at the beginning instead before I go on to talk about love. This is what love is not. Yesterday, I went in to pick up a prescription at the drugstore. Now, I was running, I, I knew on a tight schedule, Rachel was on her way in for Tyler to join us for yet another birthday celebration at Chad and Sarah's. And so, right when she got there, we were going to leave. But I had a couple of prescriptions to pick up, and why waste time, right? I'll just run right down and pick them up. Well, when I got there, there were three, there were three cars in line, and I thought, okay, I'll just get out and go in. I have a question to ask them anyway, so I went in. And that encounter took about 25 minutes instead of about 10 minutes. And so I was a little antsy, thinking, okay, they're probably calling me, but I'm not answering my phone anyway. I think it's turned off, so... I just went ahead to finish my task. But a woman came into the store who was very, should I say the word upset? Can you say the word upset for me out loud? Let's see. No, that's not a strong enough word. She was worse than that. Trust me. She was mad from the tips of her heels to the tips of her toe, and I never looked down at her feet to see if they were painted. So she came in kind of in a jogging suit and her hair pulled back, and that was one mad woman. Woo. I was standing there, and one of the pharmacists was helping me, and this woman was going off. And I mean she was going off because she had been waiting for 15 minutes in that line, and it hadn't moved. Not 14, not 13, 15 minutes, and that line had not moved. How dare they not go and move that woman in that line so she could get her medicines and be gone? And she just kept on talking. And as opposed to her talking was one of the pharmacists who continued to Say to her, just calm down, ma'am. We will, we will help you. Give me your name and then. Oh, no, I'm, she's too mad to tell me her name. She's going on and on and on. Finally, they got a name, and she just kept on. I want the name of the manager. Where's the manager? And the lady who had been so nice to her turned and said, I'm the assistant manager. No, I want the manager. Well, the manager's not here today. And I thought, oops, she messed up. She wasn't to be denied. What's the phone number? I want to complain. What's the store number? I want to complain. And I, the temptation was strong upon me. <laughs> strong upon me. I thought I could just turn to her and ask her if she was a Christian. She probably would not have appreciated that. And I thought a second time inside I wouldn't do that. I started to look at her and say, ma'am, I know your 15 minutes in life is more important than anybody else's, but could you just give it a break? You'll probably get 15 more. But I didn't do that either. I just sat there with my head down, embarrassed and feeling sad for those people who had to put up with that lady because of her 15 minutes. Now, to her point, and she had one, all that time, all that argument was going on, the car that was blocking the drive through that wouldn't move, and it still hadn't moved. <laughs> they were having trouble filling that person's prescription, and they suggested making a circle around the store, which the lady told the upset woman inside. And he said, but we can't make them move, and she refuses to move till she gets her prescription. She had a problem, too. We just didn't get to see her face or to talk to her. But this woman was so upset. And the assistant left. They got her, her prescription finally. And she left. But when I left, she was still at the front looking for somebody else to tell her story to. You know, you just never know when life will throw you a curve, treat you a little roughly, or not give you life on your schedule as you want it. But if you are a Christian, it's so very important for you and for others how you respond to that. The only response I really made was after she left and the pharmacist looked 
looked up at me. He apologized for uh, taking so long in for them to leave. I said, that's okay. I've got plenty of time. And I said, I don't know what they pay you here, but you're not getting paid enough. Now, if I had have asked her if she was a Christian, imagine what would have happened if she had said yes. What would have been the response to the people in there possibly who were not Christian if this woman who was going to war over 15 minutes had been a Christian? You know, once we start looking at our life from the angles of what we're doing and how we're acting, our life takes on an entirely different category, doesn't it? What we do, what we say becomes very different and has very different meaning. Today, for Ian and for Christian, they've entered into that family of Christ, and now what they do with their lives, the words they choose, the actions they make, the purposes they fulfill, we hope and pray all will be a reflection of who they are. But as a people of faith and those who've joined in in that profession of faith, we hope the same thing for all of us that we hope our life will be loving. We hope that when we dismiss people, that we're loving. Some of the hardest things I had to do in ministry, quite frankly, had to do with serving on the Conference Board of Ordained Ministry whenever so often somebody who had invested uh, almost a, a good part of their lifetime at that point in going to get a college degree and a seminary degree, and they come to those final sets of interviews, it turned to our job and me as chair of that committee to go to them and to tell them that their gifts and graces were not evident enough so that ministry seemed like a calling in their life. And I knew that the responses I got were, were always varied. Sometimes the anger was unbelievable. Sometimes the accepting the church's authority and wisdom in those kind of situations is beyond the people who are hearing that news that is so important to them. And at other times, people were very gentle and calm and understanding. Uh, that the interviews and the things they had done had not been what they needed to be and how perhaps God was leading them in another way. You never knew how they were going to respond, but one thing we did know, that we could not possibly love them too much or exhibit love toward them too much at this most critical time of their life because so much was on the line for them as well as was on the line for the church. When we think about love, it's not making that a characteristic, saying that we want the people of this church to grow up in loving circumstances and to become loving people to a greater and greater depth. That's no surprise to anyone because that surely is a goal of everybody. Certainly our identity should be when people see us coming, there comes the loving person. We should have a smile on our face if it's at all possible. And sometimes when it's not possible, we should stay home, maybe talk to the closet, you know, the one where nobody is just closed. We can pretend there's someone there because we don't want to really share our feelings with the world when the world has overwhelmed us, especially if they're negative. We have to kind of marshal them and hold them in until the appropriate time and the place. But even when we start to do that, when we say the word loving, we get into trouble almost instantly, don't we? Because you see, when we think about the fact that God was so full of love that his principal reaction to that and response to that is that he gave for God so loved that he gave, we are taken aback. He gave his only begotten child for me, for you, for every human being. And we think, I don't know if I can love like that. 
And we begin to ask ourselves, what is that kind of love? What is this kind of love in the Bible talking about? And how can I become such a loving person? Well, some people look at the definition of love and they, they start trying to define it. I don't know that you can ever define it. But we can say how it expresses itself. I believe that love is a disposition and an inclination of our hearts. Love resides in our hearts, inside us, deep within us. You could say the head if you want to be physiologically correct, but in biblical terms, we're thinking about the eternal part of a human being as being the heart, the place where love resides. And we oftentimes think when we talk about love as feelings, right? We especially think about it when our 14-year-old comes home and says, Mama, I'm in love. And we go, yeah, we know, but don't worry, it'll pass. And they're distraught. How can you say that? Because you're 14. But I'm in love. This is the person for me. And you think about the person they are talking about. And if you're lucky, you don't know them well. That'll keep you more vague and more acceptable. If you're unlucky, you might go, no, here are the reasons you don't really love that person. And that could be the wrong answer. You never know. When some people are really young, sometimes they do fall very much in love. But the one thing we need to remember as parents is that when our youth come home, we don't say what I just said. When your youth or your children come home and they tell you in love, you don't say, let me see if I can pour water on your emotions that are real to you. Instead, you say, really? Who is it? Tell me about them. And then you listen. And then you work with them through this first experience, perhaps, of falling in love. Because love is, at that age, often about mainly the heart. It's about a feeling. And a lot of people are in love with that feeling at a very early point in their life. But love is more than a feeling, isn't it? Love is larger than a feeling. It has to be larger than a feeling or else we could not be people that are loving all the time, right? Because sometimes I don't really feel loving. How about you? Sometimes feelings don't cut it. Sometimes I have to act in a way that's more about who I am than how I feel. That's because love is more than just a feeling. For God so loved that he gave. Love is about giving of yourself for the benefit of others. It's a willingness to be take actions for the goodwill and for the benefit of others. Love, as we see Jesus, Jesus practicing it in the scriptures, is continually and consistently other-oriented. It's not about Jesus. Even when Jesus prayed to the Father, even when the greatest test of his love was before him, he prayed in the garden, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Even Jesus, who came to earth with all the same kind of inclinations that we have, the same kind of thoughts, the same kind of challenge in being human, had to struggle with how he was going to be this loving person that the Father had sent in this tough situation. But he did. Because you see, Jesus was not only a product of his emotion and his love for people, he was also a product of allowing his love to be expressed in actions. And his will could cause him to be loving even when he didn't feel like it. Come on, let's withdraw to a further place. I'm exhausted. I'm too wiped out to ministry anymore. Get in a boat and go to the other side. 
They figure out where he's going and they meet him there. And Jesus, being moved by compassion, reaches out to them even then. Jesus was moved with compassion with the 12 that followed him when they were so lost and so wrong about so much about what he had been trying to tell them. But he didn't cast them away. No, instead he loved them as an act of his will because his will and his heart stayed in sync. For love to be really loved, it has to be more than a feeling and it has to be more than an action. It has to be a feeling that expresses itself in action. That is the biblical witness when we gather up all these passages about love. There's a man who talked about it a different way. But first of all, let me give you a question just to contemplate when you go home today. If you don't remember anything else, perhaps you'll remember this question. The question is this. Is love the source from which all other virtues flow? Or is love the end of the quest of all other virtues manifest in love? Is it the source from which all else flows? Or is it the result of all of the virtues together that in the end create this truly remarkable person of love? Well, in thinking about these tough questions, one of the theologians in the past, a guy named A.W. Tozer, perhaps you've read something he wrote at times, he was talking about this, the difficulty in fulfilling the great commandment, loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart and thy soul and thy mind and thy strength, and then the second one, loving thy neighbor as yourself. And he says so overwhelming because we continually get bogged down. And then he made this, this statement. He said the way we deal with this commandment that's so hard to do is we remember this. One is love of feeling. One is love of willing. Remember the illustration I gave last week when I talked about sometimes the, the Dr. Seuss's wisdom. Sometimes we just won't do things because we just don't do things because we won't. That's talking about your will. Dr. Seuss is smarter than we give him credit for. But it's certainly true in the scriptures. Love is not about so much how you feel as what you do. Because feelings are very transitory and very human affected. It's very much a product of our culture. But our actions, they speak so much louder than our feelings. When we get the two together is how we really can begin to approach the unbelievable challenge of loving even our enemies, which is what that lady did in the store. The woman was at the height of her, close to rage. I'm, I'm going to think, uh-oh, I hope she's not armed because there's no way out quickly for any of those folks behind the counter. But you know what? She stayed calm during the whole thing. She was an example of a Christian in the marketplace with someone who had lost it. And she kept hold of her strength. I'll be back in the drugstore. Chances are I'll see that, that manager again. And I'm going to ask her. I have a question. I was in here the other day when you had your fun. And so I just want to know, are you a believer in Jesus Christ by any chance? And see what she says. It would tickle me to death if she said, yes, I am. But it would also tickle me to death even if she said, no, I'm not. But I knew that woman needed somebody to care for her. Because you see, love is not just limited to Christians, but is a common reach for all humanity. It's something we can all do together. In Luke 4, verses 18 and 19, 
Jesus lays out clearly why he's coming to the earth. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Does that sound like someone who would continually say to someone who's struggling, well, I'll pray for you? Or does it sound like someone who would get involved in the messiness with the lives of others in order to love them to a better place through whatever the difficulty of the circumstances that they may be facing? You see, such love as that, the love that Jesus exhibited on earth, is a love that can forgive. In fact, it's the only thing that can strengthen anyone to really forgive completely, to really forgive anyone, even their enemies. It is the only way that people really can find a hope that can be sustainable is when love is its foundation. For hope, founded upon love and out of love, never gives up and never gives in. It is the same kind of love that believes and perseveres until people begin to experience through love, joy, and peace. It is that which causes and also supports faithfulness in humanity. There's a reason why it says God is love in John 4, 8. Because you see, the essence of it all is first of all to be loving. So let us be the kind of people when they see us coming, as Troy was talking about in the school, let us be the kind of people where a world of hurting people are bringing their children, oftentimes without the ability to care for them, often without anyone who knows anything about their circumstances, often without anyone who has resources to call upon when they're struggling with the everyday struggles of life, often with people who feel like they're not acceptable to the church or bringing their children to school, oftentimes walking them and dropping them off. Let them drive into that parking lot or walk across that street carrying their children. Let them see the faces of people they don't know and which may appear out of place because of the color of their skin, not brown, not black, but very white, older, not young, not struggling, but people who have fine cars. Let them come to that place where when they come on campus, and they see people like that scattered around the campus. Be the people who will say, those people, those people that you see scattered around there, they are loving people. Well, who are they? Oh, I don't know, but they're always showing up at our school, doing things for the children of our school. You know, they even do things for the teachers. They show up and they bring gifts, expressions of love and support, and we know they're with us. Well, are they a perfect a kind of an organization? I don't know. But I know this. They love and care about my children. And those people make my world different. When the world looks at helping people all around the world, not who just help in the midst of a crisis, 
but who devote their lives to helping others. And the world will say, Jesus really is real. And his love really is alive. What does it mean to be a member of our church, really? It means we're loving people. To anyone, for everyone, everywhere, anytime, anyplace. And when the days when we can't, we stay home. We hide in our closets. And we don't let the world see that humanity untouched by Jesus. Because when the church people see the church, they need to see Jesus. Father God, I ask that if there's anyone here who has not been touched, as Ian and Christian have today, and as, as they have professed their faith today, anyone who does not know Christ as their Savior, that they feel a tug on their heart, that there's more to the life than they've been living, let them respond this morning by coming up and sharing with us their need. There's anyone here, Lord, who is a Christian but is trying to live this life alone, trying to find ways to serve you and to be yours in a, in a vacuum filled only with themselves and with their Savior. Let them know that there's a connection, a place where they can belong, a group of people who will hold their hand and lead them, lead them through whatever valleys they are walking through. Let them become a part of this fellowship and let the message be clear. We're lovers. We are loving people. And we will not be turned aside by anything that love can't conquer. In the precious name of our loving Savior, we pray this prayer.